I'm glad to be in service one more time. You know, it's, I tell you, I, I really, I really, really enjoy our family of faith here. I enjoy uh, coming together to learn and to grow together with the family of faith here at EBC. We certainly are seeking to build faith and connect families in this body of believers. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number six. And we're going to read uh, verses uh, one and two. Okay, verses one and two. And we're continuing with our series we've entitled Preparing for Greater. And over the last uh, eight settings, we've been dealing with getting greater in our relationships. Preparing for greater in our relationships. Um, We've shared with you before that uh, God saved us and he left us here so that we could build relationship with other people with the purpose of introducing them to the God who saved us, who delivered us. Amen. And God left us here as a body of believers, as Christians, to reach out and to learn how to interface with each other as believers so that we can encourage each other and help each other to walk uh, this faith walk. But the sad reality is, is that many churches are suffering because most Christians don't do relationships well. I'm going to say that again. Most Christians don't do relationships well. And one of the things that I've shared with you all along is that one of the reasons why sometimes we don't do relationships well is because we haven't dealt with the wounds in our own lives. Look at your outline. We said that again, remind you, a wound is any unresolved issue where a lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and the dynamics of a person's life now. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Many of you all of adults, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, are still having difficulty doing your relationship because you hadn't dealt with wounds that happened in childhood. You haven't dealt with wounds that happened in young adulthood or in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. And now as a result of those wounds that you never addressed and never dealt with, never got closure on, it's now hindering you from being the type person that God saved each and every one of us to be. Are you listening to me today? Because we haven't dealt with the wounds in our lives. Remember we talked about the types of wounds to be examined so far was the father wound. And we dealt with the mother wound. I don't have time to go back and repeat those, but go back and get the CD. That we talked about the all alone wound. And we talked about the heart wound. And those wounds, if not adequately dealt with, will prevent us from being very relational. Can I get a witness? And so we're going to uh, move on down a little bit further here and talk about Amen. This next thing, because we said, how do, how, how do we develop these God honoring relationships that we have been assigned to do? Amen. Again, we, we, we share with you that several times in the New Testament, the phrase one another or one to another or each other is repeated. And the writers reminded us over and over again to love one another, to accept one another, to serve one another, to comfort one another, forgive one another, honor one another. To bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, pray for one another, and be kind to one another. And if you keep seeing it over and over in the scripture, it, it, it doesn't, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room to understand that what God is saying as he keeps talking about these one another's is that he wants us to learn how to be relational. Because how, how am I going to love you? How am I going to forgive you? How am I going to bear your burdens? How am I going to do all these one another's if I have no relationship with you? 
And see, sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that we got a relationship because we come to church. Just coming to church does not mean that you're very relational. Because again, think about it for a second. How many of y'all have been guilty of coming to church, praising God, having a good time, hug a few folks, go out that back door, go home, and don't see or talk to anybody else in the church until next Sunday? Hello? That's not very relational, is it? Now, you, you, you can come to church, but that's not relational. God says, I need you all to understand that each one of us in here have giftings that the other person needs. Each one of us, amen, can, can help build each other up. So we got to be better at this relational. We got to get greater in relational and in, in learn how to do relationship if we're going to be the church that God ordained and called for us to be. Now, now look, look at this verse. Let's go to uh, Galatians 6 right quick, and then we're going to pop back here, because this is real important for us. Galatians 6, verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, will you all read with me? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Verse number two says what? If we go to, okay, all the brothers and sisters, we, I think we jumped there. We, we moved. And we, six and two. Okay, we go. I got it right here. Got two says share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Read it one more time. It says what? Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Obey the law of Christ. So we're talking about preparing for greater in relationships. So let's unpack this and we're going to try to see if we can bring some more clarity to it. Now, again, in your outline in that part B under section two, we said that all things being equal, if we get the first one right, love one another, right, the rest should, should fall into place. Okay. It should fall in place if we get the first one right. But guys, love is probably the most misunderstood word in the world. Are y'all listening today? And part of the problem is that we use that word, one word to describe many different things. Y'all heard me share that with you before. In effect, we water down its meaning by its overuse. We love a lot of things, don't we? Bobby loves the Cowboys. Sister Henry, she was here, she tells she loves the saints. All right? Now, I, I, oh, oh, she wouldn't tell me that, would she? Sister Galloway would tell me she loves the saints, right? All right, gotcha. I got I to gotta correct it. Y'all tell Sister Henry I messed up on her. All right? We, we, we say we love a lot of different things. We love different types of food. We, we, we use that word so often that it's, it's actually become watered down it, it, it's, 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 we use it in so many different ways that it has literally lost its meaning in our context of understanding what God talks about when he talks about love and so it's hard to give and receive love when we don't even understand what it is how many ladies out there will be honest enough to tell me that you had a man tell you that he loves you but when it, when it really boiled down the brass tacks you discovered that he didn't know what love was any ladies out here can raise your hand real quick, real quick, real quick, lay down. Okay. How many brothers out there can say, man, you know, that woman told me she loved me. But then after a period of time, after, after, after 
being uh, together with her, I discovered that she didn't really know what love was. Are y'all listening to that? It's hard to give and receive love. Somebody said, don't check that they love you. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you, Brother James. I mean, I heard you. See, most people think love is a feeling. Watch, it, watch this now. Most people think love is a feeling. And granted, true love does produce feelings, but it's more than a feeling. Are you with me today? Another misconception is that love is uncontrollable. Huh? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, I can't help it if I'm in love. I can't help it if I love him or, or even the opposite. I can't help myself. I just don't love him anymore. As if love was not controllable. I hear some of y'all thinking now, well, you know, I couldn't help it, Pastor. I, the first time I saw him, fell in love. See, that's a lie. That's a bald-faced lie. You cannot fall in love with somebody the first time you see them. Now, you may have been lusting after them. How are you going to fall in love with, with a person and you don't even know what their character is, what their thoughts are, uh, what their dislike are, are they, are they a nice person? You just saw him. Like, he fine. Girl, she look good. That ain't love. All right? Are y'all with today? So our misconceptions about love has, has caused us not to, to, to really be able to embrace what Jesus told us when he says love one another. We talk as if love is un- uncontrollable, but the Bible says love is controllable. In fact, in fact, guys, Jesus commanded that we love others. Is that right? His words indicate that we do have control over whom we love and who we don't love. Look at your outline. Love at its very core. And I, I know some of y'all sitting there thinking, well, I can't help you. Know, I, I, I used to be in love, but I ain't in love no more. Love is more than a feeling, baby. I just told you that. At its very core, love is two things. Number one, love is a matter of choice. Go to Colossians, the third chapter. Colossians chapter three, verse number 14 with me right quick. Love is a matter of choice. And let's read that from the King James version of the scripture. Colossians chapter number three. If you'll pop it up and we'll look at verse number 14. You know, we sing all these songs. What's love got to do with this? I'm, lo- I'm in love with the other woman. My life was fine till she blew my mind. I found love on a two-way street and lost it on a yeah, Brenda, I, I feel you over there, Brenda. Yeah. Found love on a two-way street and lost it on the lonely highway. What are you talking about? We sing this stuff about love, but most of us don't really know what love is. Then we say stuff like, what's love got to do with this? It got everything to do with it. Jesus told us to love one another. Look at Colossians 3, verse 14, right? Because first of all, love... It is a matter of choice. Everybody say matter of choice. Notice what the text says. It's Apostle Paul writes says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is another word for charity is what? Love. Above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness. Now go to the New Living Translation for that very same verse right there. Okay? Put on, put on, put on. Amen. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. That's what it does. So in the KJV says, it says put on. Those two little words, put on, 
uh, uh, very significant because love is something we can choose to have. If it were a feeling, we couldn't command it. But we can, we can command a choice, and love is a choice. It is controllable. So that's the first thing you got to understand, that love is a choice. Everybody say love, love. is a choice. Secondly, love is a matter of conduct. Everybody say love is a matter of conduct. Go to 1 John, the third chapter, verse number 18 with me right quick. Love is a matter of conduct. Love is something that we do. It's an action, not just a feeling. 1 John, chapter number three, verse number 18. Glory to God. The text says this, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth. How? Uh, not enough of y'all said that. Let's read it one more time out loud and on purpose all together at one time. Are y'all ready? Let's read. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Amen. Love is not just a feeling. It's an action. Too often we love with words, but not with actions. I'm going to say it again. Too often we love with words, but not with action. Love is more than words and more than just feelings. The Greek had five words for love. Y'all heard me share this with y'all before. Number one, they had storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, which is a family security, a sense of belonging. Storge, that's, that's one Greek word for love. Then the other one is eros, which is romance. It's attraction. That's what most people, when they think about love, they think about it. When they say, well, I, went, I, I fell in love with, we, we, it was love at first sight. But what they're really saying is, I saw something that I was attracted to. And that's dangerous, amen, to build a relationship on attraction, right? Why is that dangerous? Because attractions and people's look change over the years. Come on. Maybe she's not as fine as she was when you met her 25 years ago. After birthing four of your children. Hair turns great, or, or hair's no longer even there. It's dangerous to build a relationship on how somebody look. How many of y'all know good-looking people physically, but they are horrible internally? Yeah. So, 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 eros is one word the Greeks use. It was romance, attraction. Amen. As a matter of fact, our English word erotic comes from that root word eros. Amen. Then we have phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. Phileo, which means friendship. Friendship. Everybody say friendship. And then we have epithumia, which is sexual intercourse. Amen. That's where, you know, that, that root word epithumia, which is another word for love. That's why we get that phrase. You have people say making love. Oh, y'all ain't never heard that before. Don't y'all look at me like that. The baby's over yonder. And the ones that, that's, that's past five, uh, past eight, they already know what you don't think they know. They don't YouTube and saw stuff that you don't even, you're not even aware, they even aware of it. So I can talk freely. So when we say making love, it comes from that root word epithumia, which means sexual intercourse. Okay? And then lastly, it's agape love. Everybody say agape. Agape is the God kind of love. It's unconditional love. It's giving. It's sacrificial. 
So when we talk about love one another, certainly, come on now, the Bible is not talking about epithomia because you can't. Epithomia, everybody you meet. If you epithomian, I made it a verb. Everybody you meet, something is wrong. You're missing something on the inside. You can't arrows, everybody you meet. Although some of y'all, okay. So agape, agape, it's that God kind of love, the unconditional giving, sacrificial love. I know when, when the Bible speaks of God's love for us and the kind of love we are to have for him and for other people, the word is always agape. Ever say always? always. Agape. agape. Signifying a commitment to act. I like it. John 3.16. Y'all quoted for me. For God. He. What? Stop. God so loved that he. He was moved to act. He was moved to do something. Not just say something, but do something. So love the word he gave his only begotten son, who shall believe in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Do you know, listen to me carefully, do you know it's possible to love someone you don't even like? If, if, I, could, if, if, if I could get three married couples who've been married longer than five years and they'd be honest, they will tell you that even though I love them, sometimes I didn't like them. Can, can, I, can, I, get, can I get a, a, a couple of married couples just to nod your head? Because some of y'all, y'all ain't brave enough to raise your hand here. You love them, but you didn't like them. You love them, but you want to pick up something and hit them. Thank God you didn't. Some of y'all did, but thank God most of us didn't. So it's, it's possible to love someone you don't even like. In fact, for God, listen, in fact, for God to teach us to love, oftentimes he puts us around unlovely people. Because guess what, guys? It's easy to love people who are kind and lovely. But if God is going to teach us to love, he'll bring some hard to love people into our lives. Yeah. Because, again, it's about relationship. It's about bonding. It's about us being a tool and a vessel that he can utilize, amen, for, for the advancement of kingdom principles. Amen? So if you want to know the truth, there are a lot of people in our life who we probably don't like. I'm going to say it again. If, if the truth be told, that's probably a lot of people in your life in the course of work, home, family, and all this stuff that you probably don't really like. You don't like the way some people talk. You don't like the way some people act. You don't like the way some folks dress. But most of all, we tend to not like people who don't like us. You don't like me, so I ain't gonna like you. But God says, love what? One another. That's what he said, love one another. So, so oftentimes to teach us love, God will put us in, in connection or relationship with people who are not so lovely. Because he's trying to deal with us. The Bible tells us that five, look at y'all, the Bible tells us that five, five steps we need to take to learn to love people. Because I'm going back and in, 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 in rehashing this love one another. Because again, if you get love one another, the other ones will fall into place. But I've discovered that most people don't know what love is. They don't know what agape love is. 
We, 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 we use those. Most of us have uh, 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 personified love to be those other four Greek words. And those other four Greek words uh, are, are part of our relationship development process, depending on what kind of relationship that you have. Amen. Sometimes people are just friends. Phileo. And sometimes they faking friends. Sometimes you say you are phileo, but you're epithuin. I changed that verb again, didn't I? Y'all have heard this term. This is a little bit old school, but friends with. Yeah, some of y'all heard it right. Friends with benefits. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't really going together. There's no really true commitment, but y'all just kicking it. I know I'm showing my age. Y'all just kicking it. Y'all just, you know, if y'all want to hook up one Friday night, you hook up, do the epithumia, and go back and y'all amongst all the friends. Y'all just friends. So we got to learn what love really is. See, when God says love one another, he's talking about agape love. Everybody say agape. So five stuff we need to take to learn to love people because God, God is in to people. And if you're going to be into God, you got to be in the people. If you're going to get close to God, the closer you get to God, the more you're going to realize your need to be relational with people. How are you going to please God and don't like being around nobody? I just... I'm just, I just be by myself, Pastor. Well, well, listen, I can understand that because, again, that all alone we talked about is a wound that all of us have to deal with. That's, that's a wound I've had to deal with that, that, that's, that, that somewhat, you know, we talked about this a few Sundays ago, that, that, that loneliness of saying, I don't need anybody. I got, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm taking care of this myself. And so I, I want you to hear me carefully. None of us in here, let me tell you again, none of us in here were designed to be by ourselves. None of us in here were designed to live life in isolation. God, God, God allowed us to be birthed into this world and God saved us for the purpose of us interacting with other people so that we can build them up and they can build us up. All right, so, so, so get on, let's get on this love one other thing because if, if we can get there, then that's going to help us to, Embrace all the other one another's, right? So the first thing is, number one, uh, in order to, to learn to love people, we got to experience God's love. Go to Ephesians, the third chapter. We got to experience God's love. We must feel and understand how deeply God loves us. Ephesians chapter number four, not four, three, verse 17 and 18. Ephesians 3, 17 and 18. Guys, this, this is really important because I'm going to tell you something. God's love is sacrificial, it's giving, it's unconditional. And I would submit to you, I would go out on a limb, I'm not, I'm not going to say 100%, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say 99.9% of the time, until somebody has shown you unconditional, sacrificial love, you won't really truly understand God's unconditional and sacrificial love. 
until you've messed up so royally that they had a right. If justice had had this way, they could have creamed you. They could have left you. They could have thrown you to the wolves. But they decided, even though you deserve punishment, they forgave you and allowed the relationship to continue. Until you kind of go through something like that, you probably don't really truly understand the depths of God's love for us. Yeah. Because here's what we tend to do. We tend to be so judgmental of those who fall. And many times that's because we haven't actually experienced God's love toward us. We, we, we're going to get to Galatians, the sixth chapter, which is our base scripture for today. But it says very clearly, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, go and restore that brother in the spirit of meekness. Consider your own self, lest you be tempted with the same thing and fall. Watch this. So experience God's love. So until, until, until somebody shows you, until a human being shows you unconditional love, your depth and understanding of God's unconditional love. Yeah, you know Jesus died on the cross for us. Yeah, you know he shed his blood on God, got his heel, was buried and resurrected. Yeah, you know that and you received that for salvation. But until you, until you walk it out in the earth realm with some other human being, I will submit to you to the depth of your understanding of agape love is not where it needs to be. Both ways, you give it, extended it, and you receiving it. Because how many of y'all, if you're honest with me right now, can say, you know, but Pastor, uh, there's some things I've done, some decisions I've made that I thank God that the people who I'm in relationship with didn't throw me away. Anybody in the house? I am thankful that they still decided, they chose to still be engaged with me. Even though what I did was, was not very good. And I ain't talking about before you got saved. I'm talking about since you've been saved. Anybody ever been there before? I'm talking about that stuff that don't nobody know but you and that other person. And they covered you. They didn't expose you. I'm talking about that stuff that don't nobody know about. And you come here still looking good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, the Lord is made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad. It, but your little nasty self did something that you had no been doing. I need to talk to you. Can I talk to y'all like this? We got relationship, don't we? I'm your pastor, Anna. See, if we're in a pastor member relationship, we need to be able to talk like this. Because I ain't going to throw you away. See, I could call at least 15 or 20 witnesses right now who know that I know stuff about them and I don't treat them any different than before I knew the stuff. Because it's agape love. It's giving. It's sacrificial. Amen? It's unconditional. Most people love conditionally. As long as you're acting right. But you mess up. You cross me one time. I'm through with you. Anybody ever said that before? Maybe you didn't say it out loud, but you said it in your mind. If they, if they mess up, you, you got one time. Aren't you glad God gave you more than one? I don't know about anybody else up in here, but I'm so glad he gave me more than one chance. I am glad that he didn't throw me away when I messed up royally. 
unconditional love. Watch, watch the text. Watch this. So then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So Christ, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Is that what it says? Next verse, verse 18. Let's read it. It says, and may you have the power, watch this, to understand as all God's people should. Watch this. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Glory to God. It's so high, you can't get over it. It's so low, you can't go under it. It's so wide, you can't get around it. His love, amen, is impeccable. May you understand that. So you gotta, until you experience God's love to that level, it's going to be hard for you to love other people. 1 John 4, 19 says that we love because God first loved us. Why is it important to feel loved by God? Because unloved people are often unloving people. Let me say it again because that went over somebody's head. Un, everybody say un. un. Unloved people are often unloving people. When you don't feel genuinely loved, you don't feel like giving love. Amen. So first we must experience God's love ourselves. First John 5 and 12, Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. Is that correct? So, so experience God's love first of all. Number, number two. Forgive your enemies. Mm, here we go. All right. Forgive your enemies. We must forgive those who have hurt us. Go to Colossians 3 and 13. Colossians 3 and 13. We got to forgive those who have hurt us. You know, generally, generally speaking, here's what I discovered in life. The people who can really hurt us are the ones who are closest to us. Come on. You know, um, we, we put the message out via radio, um, uh, via the internet, and I am sure that some people hear my preaching, this style of preaching, and disagree with some of the stuff and may talk about what we preach about. Uh, and, and, and that's, you know, people have their right to say what they want to say, but uh, those people who don't really know me and don't understand that my, my love for you, that don't really bother me if, if somebody criticizes the preaching, okay? But you, who I'm in relationship with, who I, I, I kept you from, kept your wife from leaving you, now you want to talk about me. I'm just, I, mean, I ain't talking about nobody. Let me, let me say this quite quick. Because I, I use examples because that's what Jesus did. He, he was, he was a, a parabolic teacher. He used examples to get you to understand. But so, so that, you know, if, if, you, if, if, if I'm counseling and help you restore your marriage and now because I said one thing that you didn't like, now you want to come at me hard like that? I would go tell your wife, you know what, five years ago, gone leave. I'm just joking. I am just joking, okay? But, it, but, it, but, but think about this for a second. It's the people who are closest to you that can... I was sharing with the Louisiana Tech football team um, last night in their chapel service. And I talked to them about Joseph. I shared with them, you know, Joseph in Genesis 39 chapter, how his brothers, his own brothers, sold him into slavery. 
Y'all with me? His own brothers sold him into slavery. His, his family, when your family do your dirt, come on, that kind of stings a little bit, doesn't it? It does. And Joseph, Joseph, and I, let me preach. Don't, don't, talk, don't try to preach, okay? I got you. I, I hear you. I feel you. But, but watch this. Watch this. Joseph, think about this for a second. He was in Potiphar's house, right? He was in Potiphar's house, and in Potiphar's house, everything he did prospered. But then Potiphar's wife all of a sudden looked at him and wanted to epithumia him. She had some arrows going on. And she, and she grabbed Joseph one day when they were by themselves and said, sleep with me. And Joseph, because he had a covenant relationship with God, said, I can't do this thing. He valued his relationship with his covenant God. And Joseph ran. She grabbed his clothes. He ran out of his clothes to get away. The Bible says flee fornication, right? It doesn't say pray about it. It doesn't say speak in tongues over it. It don't say try to conjure up strength to, over, to, to overcome your will and desire because you know you desire. And so in order to get away from the desire, you got to run. Sexual, 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 sexual immorality is the one sin that the Bible says run. It didn't even say pray. It says run. That's what flee means. It means to run. You can't sit up in there and, and try to philosophize with your body. You got to do what? Look at your neighbors and neighbor. You better run. Amen. And if you don't run, you're going to be in trouble. Are y'all still with me? Watch, watch, watch. Let's, let me move forward. Let me move forward. Look at what he says in Colossians right quick. Okay. So, so guys, we, you know, we, we got to, you know, we got to understand that, that there, the types of love that are out there. And so understand what people are talking about when they say, I love you. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must do what? Is that what the Bible says? It says what? Forgive others. Amen? Now, listen to me carefully. It's impossible to love anyone fully and at the same time resent someone. Let me say it again. It's impossible to love anyone fully at the same time resent someone. You cannot give total love when your heart is divided. A bitter heart is a divided heart. And when you're harboring bitterness from years gone by, it will stifle your ability to truly love in an agape sense. Love one another. Forgive those who've hurt you. Listen, forgive those who hurt you for your sake. Not because they deserve it. Because if the truth be told, none of us deserve forgiveness. We're not so good that we deserve forgiveness. God extended forgiveness to us. But you forgive people not for their benefit, for your sake. Because unforgiveness is killing you on the inside. The people, listen to this carefully. The people from your past can't continue to hurt you today unless you allow them to hurt you by holding on to resentment against them. I think that bears repeating. Listen to me carefully. 
The people from your past can't continue to hurt you today unless you allow them to hurt you by holding on to resentment against them. Anytime you resent someone, you give that person a piece of your heart, a piece of your attention, a piece of your mind. Forgive those who've hurt you. Instead of rehearsing that hurt over and over again, release it. Man, it feels good when you release it. Number three, think loving thoughts. Go to Philippians 2, 4, and 5. Think loving thoughts. We must begin to focus on other people's needs, hurts, problems, desires, and goals, not just our own. Think loving thoughts. I'm talking about positioning yourself to love one another, to love people. First of all, we got to understand what love is. It is a choice. It's a decision. Can I get a witness? It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of conduct. Glory to God. Watch this. Don't look out only. This is Paul talking to the saints of Philippi. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Verse five. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In the KJV says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Listen to me. Have y'all discovered that hurt people hurt people? Y'all heard that before, haven't you? If someone is hurting you, that person is doing so because he or she's hurting. We need to look beyond people's faults and see their needs. Then we can learn to love. Number four, act in love. We must begin to act in a loving way, even if our feelings are not there yet. Y'all heard me say this before. Obey the word of God and let your feelings catch up with your obedience. I'm going to say it again. Obey the word of God and let your feelings catch up with your obedience. Okay. Some of y'all say, but, but pastor, I, I, you know, I, I'm just real. I ain't going to be no hypocrite. Now, no, you're not being a hypocrite. Amen. What, what you're doing is you're loving by faith. You're obeying what the word says. And I promise you, if you learn to obey what scripture says, your feelings will catch up with your obedience. Are y'all with me today? When you love by faith, you act your way into a feeling. Amen. Now notice this. It's easier, listen to this real carefully. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. I'm going to repeat that again. Now listen real carefully. I don't want you to miss it. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. If we begin to act lovingly, we'll begin to, to feel loving. Because if you're waiting to feel right before you do right, you may be waiting a long time. Come on. How many of y'all have ever had a disagreement with, with, with a person, uh, uh, somebody you're married with, a family member, and um, you didn't really feel like no reconciliation? You, 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 if you had just totally went on your feelings, you would have stayed right where you are. And the relationship would still be fractured. You got to obey And then your feelings catch up with your obedience. Try it, folks. Try it. Find out what the word of God says. Amen. Initiate obedience. And then the more you obey, the more your feelings catch up with your obedience. And that's not faking. That's not being hypocritical. You're doing what the word of God has prescribed for each and every one of us to do. 
Because, see, your actions will influence your emotions. Okay? Is that right? Your actions will influence your emotions. And then, 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 then the emotions have an effect on what you, you know, your thinking is involved in that too because your thinking will also influence the way you feel. So begin to think differently. Look at, look at what the text says here. Uh, are y'all with me in Philippians 2? Go back to Philippians 2 uh, in verse 5 again. Verse 5 is one that we, it says, it, it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Okay? So act in love. We got to act. If you say I can't change my feelings, you are focusing directly on your feelings. You cannot change your feelings directly, but you can change them indirectly by changing your thoughts and your actions. Begin to think differently. Begin. How do you think different? The Bible says, go, go, go with me uh, to Romans, the 12th chapter right quick. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Y'all know it, but I, I, got, I got to show it to you one more time. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation. We got we to gotta act. Here, how does God change us? He changes us by changing the way we think. So if we change the way we think, then we can change the way we feel. Right? He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse number two says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But watch this. But let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So God's going to change our behavior by changing the way we think. So if God changes our behavior by changing the way we think, then if we start thinking and focusing on those things that appear lovely, honest, of a good report, rather than gossip, stay off social media trolling people. I need everybody to look at me right quick. Stop posting your mess on Facebook that's immature and unchristian. I'm not saying social media is evil. It can be a tool that's used for good, but most people aren't using it for good. They're using it to be nosy, and they're using it to paint a picture that's not reality. Oh, look at me. I'm over here. I'm so happy. And people who know you know you're the most miserable person in the world. You complain, you whine, you ain't happy about nothing. But that Facebook persona shows you as being the most successful, happy person in the world. And if you need those likes to make you feel good, you're missing something on the inside. Something that only Jesus Christ himself can feel. So stop doing that. How about going and sitting down and praying with somebody face to face and talking about the issue? If you got a beef with somebody, do, why don't you be biblical? Jesus said, if there's an alt between you and your brother, what do you do? You go to him one on one. Not go to Facebook or tweet out something on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat something. You Snapchat it, you snap it, it stay a little while and then it go away. Is that right? I ain't never used Snapchat. But, but, but the social media age has caused many of us to be, to be even less relational than what we were before social media. Now, again, I didn't say it was evil. I didn't say it was wrong. I'm just saying how you use the tool will determine whether or not, hey, man, it's blessing somebody 
or it ends up cursing you. Amen. So act in love. Everybody say act in love. Go to Luke 6, 27, 28 with me right quick. Luke 6, 27 and 28. We must begin to act in a loving way, even if our feelings are not there yet. Luke 6 says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. I want to know how many of y'all have been doing that. Back it up. Back that scripture up. I got to walk down this aisle over here. It says, who's talking? Who's he talking to? Believers? He says, but to you who are willing to listen. Now, some of y'all ain't willing to listen. Because you immediately cut me off when, I, when, you, when, you, when you saw the scripture. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Look at the next verse. Bless those who curse you and do what? When's the last time you prayed for somebody who hurt you? See, if we're going to get to this point where we can love, we got to start loving our enemies. How do you love someone who's hurt, who's hurt you? You got to overlook his fault like Ephesians says, because everybody has, even the people who you're in relationship with, you love and you married or whatever, uh, there are going to be some times when you're going to have to uh, uh, do these things. Love your enemies. Do good. Amen. How do, you, how do we do good to people who we don't even like? Well, you look for ways to give to them. Look for, how, how can I serve them? How can I meet their needs? How can I help them? How can I benefit them? How can I give to them? How, how can I go the extra mile? How can I offer practical help? Some of y'all sitting there right now thinking I'm preaching blasphemy. I'm telling you what Jesus just said. See, we've been going about the wrong way. We try to mean mug people into submission. Walk by folks and don't speak. Now in the South, we speak. Now you go to New York, it's not that big of an issue, but down here, we, we speak. We acknowledge folks. We acknowledge people so much so that you don't even have to ask them how they're doing. You, I've walked, I told you before, I walked, walked up to that man, and I just looked at him, and he said, you all right? <laughs> Dude, I didn't ask you anything. <laughs> all right. <laughs> because most of the time when we're asking how you're doing, we're just doing it out of common courtesy, right? We really don't want to know how they're doing. Because the moment they start telling us how they're doing, we'll stop asking them how they're doing. Because we just, you know, we're not really, sometimes we're not being genuine. Do good, bless those who curse us. What's that, what do you mean by that? He's referring to the way we talk to those who treat us badly. A blessing is a positive word spoken to or about others. We don't put them down, we lift them up. We encourage them. Proverbs 12 and 18 says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. So bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Praying for people will not only help change them, but it will help change us. Number five, expect the best. This is how you learn to love people. We must expect the best of even those who we may not like. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7. Expect the best. Expect the best of even those who we may not like. How many of y'all have found yourself to be unlovable, unlikable sometimes. How many of y'all would admit that sometimes you act in an unlikable way? Yeah. 
Maybe I need to ask your friend or ask your wife. Because, you know, some of us in here are so self-righteous that we think that we don't ever do anything wrong. I promise you, at some point in time, I'm not telling you, and as a Christian, I wouldn't expect you to be this way all the time, but there are some times we act in an unloving way. Sometimes we can be real selfish. We want it the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it. And we won't get it the way we want it, how we want it, when we want it, we get upset. And some of us go off when we get upset. Look at what the text says. Watch it. I got to finish it. Expect the best. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Okay. Have you noticed that we tend to live up to what people expect of us? When we expect the best, we bring out the best. That's that's called loving by faith, guys. And loving by faith is the greatest force in the world. Love is contagious and it changes people. It can transform a personality. So learn to love people. Now, loving people don't mean that you let them run over you. It don't mean that you put up with sin in your life. But it means that you, you love people in spite of where they are right now at this stage in life. Because when you, when, you, when you allow the agape love of God to exude out of you, it impacts people. Love, the agape love of God is contagious. People want to be around you when you're ex- exuding God's love. They don't want to necessarily be around you when you're ex- exuding eros and epithumia. they think you're a pervert. But if you exude agape, they, 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 they like phileo, friendship, they like storge, but eros and, and epithumia ain't for everybody. So don't, 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 don't go that route, but agape is what you need to show, okay? All of us need to show. So get, get to this last part here. So the, 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 we, we talked about, we left off last week on honor one, one another, but bearing one of the burdens, the last one, I want to just kind of throw this out there to you. Jesus set the example for us in Mark the 10th chapter. And I don't have time to go there, but Jesus, Jesus uh, helped bear a, a fellow by the name of blind, his blind Bartimaeus. He was blind from birth and he heard that Jesus was coming by and he, and he, he said, son of David, have mercy on me. And uh, Jesus heard his cry and Jesus went and laid hands on him. And he received his sight. He, he lifted the burden of blindness off of blind Bartimaeus and blind Bartimaeus began to serve him. See, Jesus was all about bearing, helping us bear burdens. He tells us to do the very same thing. Uh, one way, three, three ways that we bear burden, we can bear financial burden. Go to Acts, the fourth chapter with me right quick. Financial burdens. The early church was supported by the sacrificial gifts of individual Christians. They didn't develop a fundraising scheme to get people in, in the world to pay their bills. <laughs> they didn't have a, a raffle or a carnival or a plate selling at the temple. They gave of their own wealth to respond to the needs of other Christians. Acts 4, verse number 32. Watch this right quick. Acts the fourth chapter, verse number 32. So we can help people when they're in a, in a, in a, in a financial dilemma, bearing financial burdens. Now, in, in doing so, guys, here's what I would tell you. You have to use wisdom because at some point in time, you can begin to enable people rather than helping them. See, if I'm going to help you financially, first of all, I want to know what is your situation. 
If you can't tell me or you're too proud to tell me a situation, then I'm not going to help you because I don't want to just get, feed you, give you a fish today because you're going to be back next week for some more fish. I want to be able to teach you how to fish so you can catch your own fish and then go help feed somebody else. So, so when it comes to helping somebody financially, use wisdom. And, and, and there comes a point in time, and, and even one of the things that I've learned over the years uh, as a banker and as, as a pastor is that you got to, you know, people have to be shown a better way. And so we have people in the church who can help sh- show you a better way if you're willing to lay your pride down and go to financial counseling and let somebody look at your situation and give you a game plan to get to a state of financial healthiness. Otherwise, you'll be back doing the same stuff over and over again. If you look at yourself and say, listen, it's been 30 years and I've been in the same position every year for 30 years. You are doing something wrong. And many times people don't want to be accountable and they won't follow wise counsel. Okay, so we're going to help. But you got to be willing to follow wise counsel. Watch this. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. Verse, look, look at this, 34 and 35. Let's go. There were no needy people among them. There were no needy people among them. There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them, verse 35, and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They share. Now, this is not communism. This is not uh, socialism. This is, this, is, this is Christian people being led of the Lord to, to, uh, to share. And again, remember, they did this out of willingness. It wasn't a command. All right. Remember, I think Brother Craig said it when he was doing the offering about Ananias and Sapphira. While they lied to the Holy Ghost, it was theirs to do what they wanted with, but they lied, lied about what they had given. So financial burdens is something that, that, is that, is that we are to help with important observations about how the early church bore the burdens of the poor. Is number one, their gifts were voluntary sacrifices. Their giving was organized and it wasn't haphazard. The church members didn't just indiscriminately give money to the poor. They brought the money to the apostles who used discernment in distributing the funds. Because people will run game on you. Y'all know that, right? And see, if, if, if I let you run game on me, I'm not really helping you. But I want to help you, but you ain't going to run game. If I see that you're not going to want to change, then we got to go a different route. Okay, so. Uh, their giving was organized, not haphazard, and the money was given to those who had need, not just those who had less, those who were meeting the need. Number two, bearing physical burdens, they, they were there to help bear physical burdens. If you go to uh, James, the fifth chapter with me right quick, um, uh, you'll see that they, they were there to help bear some physical burdens that were upon them. Uh, go to James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. That's why we anoint with oil here, because if you're sick, we're going to pray over you. We're going to anoint you with oil. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be what? Forgiven. Physical burdens. There's a physical ailment. There are things we can do physically to help people get to the next stage in life. We ought to be there to do that. And lastly, we are there to bear emotional and spiritual burdens. Go to 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 6. Emotional and spiritual burdens. All this will not never happen if you don't understand love, though. 
Love is a key thing. Bearing emotional and spiritual burdens. Second Corinthians one, four through six. And we, and we finish. Relationships. Becoming relational. I need work on this. You need work on this. All of us need work on this. Which I'll agree. Because there are some times when you, you know, uh, all of us get in our own little way, then we don't want to be bothered by people. But God saved us to be bothered by people. And people, not just people who look like you, act like you, and who you're comfortable with. God wants to put you in front of people who, who look different than you. To stretch you. To grow you. Amen. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Watch this. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Right? He comforts us so we can do what? Comfort others. Number five says what? For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Verse number six says what? Even when we are weighted down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For, we, for when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. So we're there to help bear emotional and spiritual burdens. God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Amen? Now, guys, we got to get there. As a church body, as a, as a family of faith, we got to get there because he needs us to be relational. Every head bowed, every eye closed.